Do you find yourself wishing you had more energy, healthier habits, or fun family activities? At the YMCA, you can find your passion, find family fun, and find your happy place, all while supporting your community. Join the Y in March with a $0 enrollment fee and enjoy motivating group exercise classes, heated pools, pickleball, and so much more. Visit YMCADC.org to learn more and to find your nearest Y in D.C., Maryland, or Virginia today. Here we go. Live to tape. Welcome to Millennial Season 4, Episode 5. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. And I'm Laura. We have lots to talk about on today's episode. Thanks for joining us. We're going to bring back our Trump talking as a Valley Girl game. There's been some great new tweets, including one. I woke up to this tweet this morning, and I simply was in awe. And we have some AP choices to do. We got some emails. We got some news, of course. So lots to talk about. But first of all, I guess it's kind of the biggest news of the week, television-wise. And no, I'm not talking about that This Is Us episode. I don't watch that show. Do you guys watch it? No. Nope. Okay. Um, the Super Bowl. Elisa, let's start with you since you're the, I'd say, resident football fan. What do you think of the Super Bowl? I thought it was like trying to choose which team to root for was a little bit like trying to choose which venereal disease you'd rather have. What's so, your beef with the Eagles? I could see the Patriots. They've won too many times. They have won too many times, but that's really my big beef with them is that they're cheaters. Mm. Um, you know, success is great. Cheating is not. Uh, so fuck the Patriots. The Eagles, it's really just about a rivalry. I'm a Washington fan. Um, so and And the Eagles are in our division. And so we play the Eagles all the time. And, you know, there's just a rivalry there. That's all. Once I set that aside, though, it's obvious that, you know, you kind of have to root for the Eagles. They've never won a Super Bowl before. They were clearly underdogs in this situation. Um, and, yeah, I think they deserve to win. I mean, they fucking played better. The thing that pisses me off about the Super Bowl is, is, is that now, the day after, everyone's writing about how, you know, Tom Brady just... He just wasn't given a chance. He didn't get the ball very long in this game. If someone had just given Tom Brady the ball, I was like, yeah. They they make it sound like, you know, the the Patriots lost more than the Eagles won. And yeah. it's taking away from the Eagles, and that bothers me. Like, we just hop off Tom Brady's dick for five seconds. Like, he's not, like, he's not like a god. Yeah, And they're just like, oh, if you just gotten the ball, he did get the ball. And you want to know what happened? He fumbled it. So <laughs> fuck off. Yeah, he smacked it out of his hand. Um, as somebody who grew up in South Jersey, that is Philadelphia Eagles territory, I, I was rooting for the Eagles. And it was a fun game. I mean, that's the other thing about the game, too. I'm normally not into football during the season, but um, I do like when it gets towards the end of the season. And... It, it was a very fun, high-scoring match, so I had a good time. How about the commercials? There's two I wanted to mention. First of yeah. all, I thought I thought the first, the worst one by far was Rams Ram. It's a truck company MLK commercial. 
So yes. it started with 50 years ago today, Martin Luther King said this. And over top footage of like America and mostly the Ram trucks was was were these remarks said by MLK and it just did not work at all. How does that type of thing pass the sniff test at Ram? Don't you know there's going to be backlash? I feel like I, I don't know. I agree with you, though. It's funny that there was backlash because I was, of course, watching that commercial air live and I turned to my family and I said, this is the worst advertisement I've ever seen. They're trying to ascribe Martin Luther King Jr.'s words and philosophy to buying a pickup truck. Like, that's a new fucking low. I don't even know who came up with that idea and why aren't they fired? Yeah. It reminded me of that Kendall Jenner ad, uh, the Pepsi one several months ago at this point but it's just like they're so full of themselves thinking that they're actually changing the world or inspiring us but no it's just sugar water and no it's just a stupid gas guzzling truck yeah on the other hand i thought the tide ads were freaking amazing they starred uh david harbour from stranger things He's had quite the comeback. I mean, first of all, of course, Stranger Things. He's a huge hit on that show. And he's just funny and he's always great online. And then these Tide commercials just worked so well for him. <laughs> Did they feature people eating Tide Pods? No. I actually thought it was a little silly that they didn't mention that at all. I thought one of the commercials, because there was like four, five. I thought one of them may have at least sort of referenced the Tide Pod challenge, but none did. I take it you didn't watch, Laura? Hell no. I don't give a shit. Mark isn't into it? No. No, we are not into the sports ball. Then there were a bunch of trailers. We got our first look at the new Han Solo movie. There was a Jurassic World trailer. And then, maybe this is of interest to you, Laura, Netflix, and this was stunning, surprise announced that Cloverfield 3 would be on Netflix that night. There was yeah, that was pretty cool. There was no promo building up to it. There were no photos, no videos, no interviews, no nothing. They just released a commercial. It's like, hey, it's going to be very soon. And then later in the game, hey, it's about to be on. So that was so cool. I'm wondering now if Netflix is going to release a movie after every Super Bowl now. Because like, there's always been that big thing. Like, after, after the Super Bowl, an all-new episode of This Is Us. Or the series premiere of The Voice. Like, it's always a big deal getting that lead in from the Super Bowl on Sunday night. But now, Netflix smartly said, well, shit. There's probably a bunch of people sitting at home watching TV after the Super Bowl. Obviously, tens of millions of people. Why only give them something new to watch? So, I wonder if they're going to do that every year. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, it's smart marketing for Netflix. And then, uh, Justin Timberlake, what do you think of that, Elisa? His halftime show. Uh, it was okay. It was okay. I didn't think it was anything special. I thought that I had mixed feelings. On one hand, there was nothing particularly um, special or big about it. There was there was nothing that really stuck out in my mind as being like, ooh, that was awesome. It was really just him performing on various stages with various people dancing and playing instruments. That's really all it was. Uh, on the other hand, I appreciate that it was just a straight-up performance. And sometimes I get a little sick of all the cheesy, over-the-top, 
fireworks and shit like that that happened during the halftime show. Like, you know, I'm 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 here to watch football, and I I, I don't need a parade. Um, and I think sometimes it gets a little cheesy when when folks do that. Like, it's they treat it like I don't know, like our troops are coming home from war, mm. and like. It's not that serious. It's a fucking halftime show. Yeah. So I had kind of mixed mixed feelings on it. Yeah, no, I'm with you. There was no like moment, no really exciting surprise right. moment. And that is usually what makes a Super Bowl halftime performance. Justin Timberlake had a great performance, great choreography going on. His vocals were fine. But um, yeah, it wasn't much of a of a show worthy of the Super Bowl. And the other problem was the reception to his album has been a bit mixed. It's not like his older solo albums. That said, I really do like yeah. that song Flannel because I'm a wannabe hipster. So he didn't um, rip some woman's top off and reveal her breast on national TV? No. Oh, damn. No. That's disappointing. Well, some people were thinking maybe Janet Jackson would come back. They would, you know, kind of have a moment. That would be epic. That would have been epic. Or in sync would have come out, but no. It would have been cool if she ripped a brassiere off of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and revealed his butthole. <laughs> I feel like I'm telling you guys the one part you don't see. Yeah, speaking of buttholes. Um, we wanted to talk about this Nunez memo. So what it is, what it means, and why we think it was released. Um, just to provide a little bit of background, Representative David Devin Nunez of California is the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, and he wrote this memo. Um, the TLDR of the memo, which is only about three and a half pages long, is that it alleges anti-Trump bias by the FBI and the Justice Department, as well as abuse of their surveillance powers to spy on George Papadopoulos and Carter Page. Uh, the main takeaway here is that the memo was intended to question the legitimacy of the intelligence community's investigation into Russian collusion by members of the Trump campaign during the 2016 election. Um, as I said, the memo is pretty short, and I definitely encourage everyone to read it. Ultimately, only the only thing that this memo does confirm is that um, contacts between George Papadopoulos and Russian parties were the primary cause for the investigation being opened in the summer of 2016. That's pretty much it. Um, there's been a lot of talk about this memo being dropped for a couple of weeks now, so we've all been hearing a lot about it. Have y'all had a chance to read over it at all? Yeah, I had my dick out. I was ready to jerk off over the <laughs> bombshells, and I just went flaccid. There was nothing exciting in here for me to get hard about as a Republican. Um, but I, I thought I, I, I heard some good thoughts on it uh, on some TV show. For the Republicans, this is a piece of paper that Sean Hannity can hold up and be like, look at this. This vindicates Trump. This shows that the FBI is out to get him. When really there's there's nothing in there. It's just an object that they can use. And a lot of the followers will be like, well, golly, it looks like the FBI is crooked. Right. Well, I would... Like, like Laura said, the point of the memo is to sort of suggest that the investigation into the Trump campaign 
is not legitimate. And that's completely politicized. And it's all pro-Democrat, anti-Republican sentiment that's spurring the investigation on. But their entire basis for that argument is the fact that the Steele dossier, which, for those who don't know, is the original dossier that was put together by um, uh, an English spy, a British spy. Um, And the dossier basically... uh, accuses um, Russia of trying to interfere in the election and make some um, suggestions about Trump campaign collusion as well. Um, the do- that dossier came about, the reason that it came about and it was um, even done in the first place was in part because the DNC and the Clinton campaign um, asked for it. Now, the intelligence wasn't, the intelligence for that dossier was not gathered because Clinton asked for it. Uh, rather, the Clinton campaign got a hold of that intelligence because they were willing to pay for it. And the same with the DNC. And it just so happens that coincidentally, that dossier is a large part of the basis for this Trump investigation. So in other words, uh, the Nunes memo is trying to make the argument that because the DNC paid to have this dossier, and because this dossier was also the basis of the investigation, therefore, the whole investigation is corrupted. Because the DNC wanted their hands on it, so it has to be corrupted. Right. To me, I understand why on the, on the surface that would, see, that would look bad. I understand why on the surface it would seem... Uh, like there's some sort of bias there, but you know, the FBI and the justice department are institutions that have, they're, they're completely independent. Their, their job is to get to the bottom of an investigation, regardless of where information came from. All they're concerned about is the accuracy of that information. It could be provided by you know, Clinton herself, it could be provided by Trump himself. The information could come from a British spy like it did in this case, or it could come from a fucking Looney Tunes character. It really doesn't matter what the source of the information is. They are interested in the accuracy of that information. And these are career professionals who've done nothing with their lives except to serve and protect the public interest. Um, And, you know... There's no evidence to me, in my mind, to suggest that there's anything crooked or untoward happening here. And I do have to say, I find it ironic that either the party that's always eschewing this idea that blue lives matter and <laughs> touting our law enforcement is now the party that's undermining the top law enforcement agency in this country. It seems really hypocritical and empty to me. Yeah. Well, also coming from the party that loves to defend themselves when they're performing opposition research, which is exactly what obtaining the dossier was. And I mean, Jesus Christ, I mean, Donald Trump Jr. was defending meetings with the Russians to get dirt on Clinton as like, well, it was just opposition research. Of course I took that. Why wouldn't I take that? Right. And that's all that the DNC was doing when they paid to get the Steele dossier. They were just doing opposition research. 
Uh, and again, I think it's really critical to point out that just because the DNC wanted to have the dossier doesn't mean <clears throat> that the dossier itself uh, is unsubstantiated or wrong. We don't know. You know, we don't know. And that's why it's important to allow any investigation that's happening to continue to happen. But we can say that Steele, who was the British spy who put together this intelligence, is widely renowned in the intelligence community. I mean, he's a fucking career British spy um, who has a fantastic reputation, both at home and abroad. So it shouldn't matter that the DNC was interested in seeing this dossier. What should matter is the legitimacy of the information itself. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, prior to release of this memo, uh, those who were in favor of releasing it were trying to spin this narrative that the Steele dossier was the impetus for the FBI obtaining a warrant to surveil Carter Page. But unfortunately for them, the memo doesn't do anything to provide the full scope of evidence taken into account when they were obtaining that warrant. And at this point, it's still unclear to what extent the dossier factored into that at all. So the Democrats are trying to get out their own memo. The House Mm -hmm. committee made up of Democrats and Republicans voted unanimously to have it released. And now Donald Trump has five days to decide if it's going to be released or not. Yeah. Well, this has some other repercussions that I wanted to touch on here quickly um, related to the intelligence community. So they're pretty pissed (laughs) because both the Justice Department and the FBI were vehemently opposed to the release of this memo because of how it cherry picks information that is presented. And as a result, according to them, does not provide a clear and accurate detailing of these events. Um, Additionally, it does put the FBI in an uncomfortable position of not being able to defend itself without releasing confidential information and sources. So this idea of undermining our intelligence community is an incredibly dangerous precedent that this administration is setting. Elise's parallel earlier about, you know, Trump touting Blue Lives Matter and then kind of stirring up a fight with the FBI and the Department of Justice is really sad. It's really hypocritical. It's really sad. And uh, in a way, he's kind of encouraging people to not get violent against the FBI, but just to um, have that attitude against them. I think it's so dangerous because it's sort of, to me, it reminds me of the early days of Trump's campaign, where he kept suggesting uh, in in more or less terms that <clears throat> he was the only one who could fix our broken political system, that both parties were corrupt, everything was gone to shit, you know, Washington's a cesspit, and, and he was the man to fix everything. Healthcare, you know, tax reform, uh, immigration, you name it. Trump was the man who could fix, who could do the job and fix it. And he very much took a sort of, um, I am the only person who can do this kind of mentality. I mean, there's literal quotes of him during his, his stump speeches actually saying, like, me and me alone, you know, I can get this job done. Um, and now I feel like this has translated into, as, as president, him dismissing everyone, including our intelligence 
agencies. This whole idea that he's the person to fix everything has now translated into, uh, yeah, I am the only one who can fix everything. Don't listen to the FBI. Don't listen to the Justice Department. Don't listen to, um, you know, any anyone. Just just me. Just me. Is this is a party of one? Well, there's another word for for that, and that's despotism. When the only person that can get anything done, the only person who has the power to get anything done is an individual human being, one person. That's despotism. Now, obviously, I'm not saying we're there yet. That's not what's ha- that's not the country as it stands. But I think it should very gravely concern us that that's his mentality and his philosophy on our government. We are a republic. We are a republic, and yet his philosophy is trust no one but me. That's that's not how this works. Yeah, I mean, who knew that the FBI, the CIA, the media were all so corrupt until Donald Trump came along? Just amazing what he has made us all open our eyes and see. I can't Thank believe. God. How did I'm we survive so without him? And you know, sp- speaking of only I can fix it. Um, over the past <laughs> few months, he has really been bragging about the stock market, and we're recording on Monday night, and unfortunately. Um, the Dow fell more than 1,000 points on Monday. It is the largest single-day point drop in stock market history. Not to say that Trump is directly responsible for this. However, he keeps taking credit for it rising. So that means he has to take credit for when it falls. Yeah, um, that's that's the thing. It's, you know, I'm not going to sit here and purport to be an expert on the stock market. Um But if you take two fucking seconds to think about it, you can't attribute any major rises or drops like this simply to who's president. It's a lot more complex than that. Having said that, all of the volatility in his administration is certainly not helping things. So he does own a piece of this. Um, it's, It's a pretty scary drop. I remember the last time we saw a drop... Uh, not quite as big as this, but, but near this, we were all still in college. Um, at that point I didn't have retirement savings or investments or anything like that, but now I do. And I'm looking at this going, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) But you looked at it a little further and it didn't, you don't think it affected you, right? Well, thankfully 401ks look to be on the safer side of things. Yeah. Um, other things, I mean, like other certain investments. I know Elisa was talking about IRAs, um, things like that. It could be a little shakier. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the market continues being strong, this should come back up. I mean, the numbers right. where we are now is about where we were on January 1st of 2017 of last year. Um so this is a, a substantial drop, and some people are likening this to the market just growing way too rapidly. Um, yeah. And so viewing this as something that was sort of inevitable to happen. But we're going to have to see. I don't know. Right. Yeah, and I mean, look, certainly, like I said, Trump isn't directly responsible for today. But over his entire presidency, he may be responsible for some of that. Just like sure. Obama was responsible for bringing back the economy and improving the stock market there. Over to some lighter news now. 
The Winter Olympics are starting this weekend. Do you guys get hyped up about the Olympics? Not really. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not good for talking about sports. I'm sorry. <laughs> are you excited for the halftime show starring Janet Jackson, Laura? I mean, are there going to be boobies? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's well, allowed yeah. in South then, Korea. Then yes. 100%. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm very mixed on the Olympics. I do like tuning in from time to time, and I of course love when it get when they what to see America winning and um, seeing the tough competitions. When I was a kid, I had to study like the Winter Olympics in middle school or something and write a report on them because they were happening in like seventh or eighth grade. When I was in seventh or eighth grade, I was obsessed with bobsledding. I just think that is so cool how they hop in this little thing and they shoot down <laughs> the ice super fast. <laughs> so uh, because of my interest in a kid, I've always kind of held bobsledding close to my heart. So I'll probably watch a bunch of that. Um, but I generally see the Winter Olympics as not exciting compared to the Summer Olympics. I just don't find the Olympics olympics exciting Hmm. regardless to be honest i don't know not to be a downer here but the only thing that i ever think about in any kind of substance as it relates to the olympics and things like uh you know the fifa world cup and things like that are the long lasting negative impacts (laughs) that these events have on their host communities because they find the cheapest possible place to build. It's usually an impoverished area and they build these, you know, Olympic villages that are there for however long the Olympics last and they bring economic prosperity to prosperity to the area for a while. And then when they're done, they pull out and leave and it all just falls back into ruins. Not to mention all of the people that get displaced when they're building this. I mean, let's look back to Rio from a few years ago, all of the impoverished people who were displaced from that area and had nowhere else to go, not to mention all the disappeared street children who were living yeah. there that still nobody knows what happened to them. So, yeah. Fuck the Olympics. I don't Yeah. I don't I don't see like I don't see what the net gain is there. Bringing Just the like, world together. That sounds like a pretty big net gain to me. Yeah, by displacing people and further impoverishing them and, you know, killing the employees who work completely unsubstantial wages in order to build that shit. Or just don't make (laughs) wages at all, depending on the year. No, I mean, look at, I mean, again, Qatar was another example. They were having record numbers of people who were building those stadiums dying due to conditions over there. Yeah, because it was so fucking hot. Yeah, well, they shouldn't. They shouldn't be building something like that over there. Yeah, are you thinking of the Olympics or World Cup? Both. Okay, because the World Cup is coming up in twenty twenty two, and people are like, "How are they going to play there? It's so damn hot." Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, both of these organizations participate in that kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. So we have some people uh, listening live chiming in angel says i loved the winter olympics back in the day when michelle kwan apollo anton ono etc were athletes now it's super boring and i can't name a single athlete gabby says i'm excited for hockey and curling and there are some big olympic stars i mean i at least see the commercials for them sean white lindsey vaughn adam rippon i'm looking at a list he's hot 
Chloe Kim, Aaron Jackson. <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know some... <laughs> any of these people. That was why they ran the million commercials during the Super Bowl last night to to make you know these people. Gun, uh, gun, Gus Kenworthy. He's openly gay. Freestyle skier. All right. Well, we have some more news to get to, but first, we have a advertiser this week. It is Harry's. I think we all love a smooth, close, and easy shave, and that's why we really want you to try them. Harry's offers a great shave at an even greater price. I've been using them for well over a year now, and I'm so glad they're sponsoring us because I love, first of all, I love the shaving school cream that they include and the blades and even the handle are equally amazing the handle has some lift to it it's got some weight so i like that i feel like i'm i feel like i'm an an adult (laughs) A, a good shave really comes down to blades and because harry's owns the factory that the blades are made in they're able to deliver amazing quality blades for just two dollars a blade compared to four dollars or more you'll pay at the drugstore then what you can do is subscribe to receive ongoing shipments of the blades. They only cost you $1.87 per blade. So it's an awesome deal. And I mean, this is really good, high-quality stuff. And Laura, you you just started using them, right? Yeah, so this was my first experience using their razors. And I have to say, uh, these are not just for your face. Uh, I can't speak for everybody, but my beard is not uh, quite as fully formed as some others out there. So I used mine on my cooch. And I really... <laughs> It was, it was amazing. Yeah. Um, I normally dread shaving delicate areas like that because I get razor burn like crazy, but I used the Harry's razor and I also used their aloe shaving cream and got no razor burn. It was amazing. Usually after a couple of days, I start getting those red bumps and stuff. Not with this. So I'm a fan. I'm converted. I really thought you were about to say that my beard is not on my face, <laughs> but between my legs. Oh, well, that that would also be accurate. Not anymore, though, because it's gone. I, I mean, yeah. what what better praise can you offer than what Laura just said? And Harry's is so confident you're going to love their blades. They'll give you their trial shave set for free when you sign up at harrys.com slash M-I-L-L. Just pay for shipping. So, claim your free trial offer from Harry's today. It's a $13 value for free when you sign up. Your free trial set includes a weighted ergonomic razor handle, a five-precision engineered blade with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, a travel blade cover, and Laura will come over and approve of how you shaved your cooch. Mm-hmm. All you got to do to get your free trial is go to harrys.com M-I-L-L. That's harrys.com M-I-L-L. And I am somewhat confident Laura gave the best Harry's ad ever. <laughs> what do I got to say? Use Harry's and you won't be Harry. <laughs> but I'm- That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, changing gears now. We have to talk about this story. I've been watching a ton of clips from this La- Larry Nassar trial today. Um, this is the loser who was a former USA gymnast, gymnastics and Michigan State University sports medicine doctor. He has been sentenced to 40 to 125 years in prison. 
Um, so he's basically going to spend the rest of his life in prison. Over 200 women now who have come forward, he abused them. He, uh, he, he took advantage of them. Um, and this trial has been fascinating to watch because now more than 150 of them have publicly confronted him during a seven-day hearing in Lansing, Michigan. He did plead guilty in November to seven counts of sexual assault, um, and he assaulted several high-profile Olympic athletes as well. And keep in mind, this is all when they were children or teenagers. So, um, glad that this is over now. He's gotten what he's deserved. The, the story made headlines last week when, during the seven days of hearings, one of the dads came forward and said something to the judge. I'm going to play it because this is amazing. To, as part of the sentencing, to grant me five minutes in a locked room with this <laughs> demon. And you can hear people in the background laughing at first when he, when he asks this, but it's also like, ooh. I have Would a feeling. Would you do that? I, I, that is not yes, how our. That's the judge. No, sir, I can't. Would you do give that. me one minute? I, you know that I can't do that. That's not how our legal system. Lunges at him. And and the the cops grab him and he's yelling, "Let me at him! Give me one minute!" And he says to the cops, "What if it was your daughters? How would you feel?" So, a really hard moment to watch, but A, good on this dad. Nobody can blame him. And in fact, the judge decided to not press charges or anything against him for this outburst. And B, this judge has received a lot of accolades. Her name is Judge Janice Cunningham. And she's really been championing championing each of these women who came forward and spoke to Larry face-to-face. At the end of each of the women's remarks, she would say something back to the girl, you know, and, and say something thoughtful to each of them. So she really wanted to make sure every single one of the victims who wanted to speak was heard, and they could also speak for as long as they wanted. So there was a week of this going on. Pretty amazing. Yeah, I I think that that was all amazing. I will say this idea of the gentleman who attacked uh, Nasser not facing any sort of repercussion gives me pause. And it's not because I think that Nasser didn't deserve it. And it's not because I don't understand the motivations of this father. Because if I were that father, I would want to do the same thing. Um, but there are... There are so many people who continue to question this movement of women speaking out against their abusers. And I feel as though this is an example they can look at and say, well, like, see, look at that. She just totally let that man get beat because she's on their side. And I think that even though if you have two brain cells to rub together and you take a second to to look at it intellectually, you won't think about it this way, but my fear is that somebody who approaches this in a very single-minded way is going to use that to legitimize and and further their own views that 
this this whole movement is just overplayed and it's women being dramatic. You know what I mean? So that that didn't sit right with me. I feel like I mean I'm sure that you're I'm sure that you're right. But I feel like if anyone thinks that way about this, they were probably a lost cause uh in terms of ever coming around to this Me Too movement in the first place. You know, I, I it's I it doesn't for me personally it doesn't bother me. I don't think obviously he should have been allowed to attack Nasser. I mean, the the these cops did their jobs and they should have done that, you know. We we have a justice system, not a vengeance system. There is a difference. So, I'm glad that he was stopped, but um I don't I I I keep putting myself in in his shoes and I really don't know that I'd react any differently, but more importantly, because it's not just about me and him or individual, I don't know that it is appropriate or reasonable to expect human nature to overcome something like this. I just don't. I don't think that human nature lends itself to sitting quietly and passively and nodding along as the man who physically and sexually abused your children sits right in front of you. Now, that's probably a good argument for why you shouldn't be in the room. Uh, if it mm. were me, I probably would know myself well enough to know I shouldn't be allowed in that fucking room yeah. <laughs> because I'm going to do something exactly like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I Well, and one thing the judge says during the sentencing is that to Larry, she says that she did not get any inclination that he had learned his lesson at no point. Yeah. Of this. And maybe that's what the dad sensed too. That he was not getting it. He was not getting the horrible things he did. Why they were horrible. I don't think that anyone who abuses, and it's up to 265 girls now that we know of, by the way. Just that we know of. I don't think anyone who systematically abuses 265 children over the course of decades, has the capacity to know that what they did was wrong. I right. really don't. Yeah. This isn't this this isn't a case of somebody who you know did something heinous and fucked up once or twice or even three times, and maybe there's some rehabilitation and psychiatric therapy for them that will that will snap them out of it and help them to realize the full the full uh, breadth of their actions. This isn't that. I mean, this was a well-educated man, clearly, well-educated, um, intelligent in every other sense of the word, and yet here he is, who did this deliberately and systematically for decades. I don't think there's any hope for him. No. I really don't. I agree with you, and I think the point of the matter is, based on, on the parameters of our legal system, he, there was justice served. Right. Yeah. And so to me, when I look at an attempted assault by somebody in the middle of the courtroom, I totally understand where that father was coming from. I would have been in I would have probably been in the same position he was. But I feel that justice needs to be applied where it is due. It's the same thing where we were talking about, gosh, it's been a couple years ago about that girl who there was a man standing on a college campus and he was holding a sign that says you deserve to be raped. And he, mm. he was standing there with this sign, clearly a jackass. And she walked up and punched him 
And there was a lot of debate as to whether she should be sentenced for that or whether she should have to face the consequences for that. And, and she should. Yeah. I'm not saying yeah, that think- I'm not saying that I wouldn't have wanted to punch him too. Right. I, th- I think that I see what you're saying. I think maybe the difference is whether or not you succeed in the assault. I think if I think if this father has succeeded in uh, in physically attacking Nasser and actually like beat him or punched right. him, I would I would be more inclined to agree with you that charges should be pressed because that's um, I mean you you have to press charges in that case in my opinion I I agree I, I would I would feel sorry for the father still I yeah. understand him still but the fact that he actually got his hands on another person. Right. Uh, you, in a courtroom, no less. Right. <laughs> like, like, you kind of have to press charges for the exact reasons that Laura's saying. Uh, right. Just like the girl punched the guy with the sign, you kind of have to press charges, even though, you know, he was totally punchable. And that's, I guess I'm a little more lenient on it because, thankfully, he was not successful. Not by his own. He wanted to be successful, but right. thankfully, cops held him back. So all that really happened was he gets... He lays on the ground for five minutes. I have the same opinion. It would be a completely different situation if if he got to Larry before the cops stopped him. Um, but also, just speaks to how surreal this situation is. You said, Laura or Elisa, he's asking in a courtroom to a judge if yeah. he can have five minutes alone with this guy. And that's why people. That's why I pointed out. You hear people in the back room, ba- background, kind of laughing like a nervous laughter because they think he's kidding but then when you see him lunge at larry you know this is not a joke emotions are running extremely high and the crazy part was that when he was asking those questions you know your honor can i have five minutes alone with him his daughters yeah his daughters were sitting right there and they're kind of like chuckling because they're you know they're like oh dad look at you you know yeah they didn't even realize and how serious he was. And what broke my heart is when you do hear girls in the background after dad is on the floor kind of openly sobbing. And it just reminds you of how horrible whole, horrible this whole situation is, the emotions that are running through the courtroom at that moment. Right. And I totally understand and empathize with that. But my problem with this is like you're taking an already traumatizing situation and you're you're lumping onto that because of your own personal need for vengeance or your own feelings but you're not helping you're actually making this worse yeah all right we don't have to get into it further but (laughs) sorry (laughs) i i the thing that i the big takeaway that i would i would like to put out there with this story though is that dozens of these girls reported um, what was happening to them, either to their parents or to their coaches um, or to just other adults in their lives, teachers. Um, they told somebody. They did what we say you're supposed to do. And they weren't believed. Yep. And mm-hmm. I think that that, I think that that is really the, at the, that, that speaks to the core of what the Me Too movement is about. And I know Speaking of just of the justice system and, and you know, to Laura's point about how critical it is to to apply it fairly and equally, I know that there's a lot of folks out there who say, Well, we have a system where you are innocent until proven guilty and just wantonly and freely and uniformly believing every woman who comes forward with a story 
kind of flies in the face of that system and is kind of kind of suggests that you're guilty in this case until proven innocent. And that's where people start to take issue with the Me Too movement is that, you know, there's a burden of proof that's not being met here. And to them, to them, I would say you would be right. You would be right if we were talking about the criminal justice system. If anyone suggests that a person who is accused of a crime should automatically be sentenced without being proven guilty first, they are wrong, regardless of what the crime is, because we do have a justice system and we, you are innocent until proven guilty. No one's suggesting that they be sentenced to jail and that you know those who speak out be believed in the court of law without proof. No one's suggesting that. We are saying on a personal level to believe them. We're saying on a one-on-one individual level, when you hear their stories, whether it's from your friend or whether it's from some uh, Hollywood actress who's talking about it in a magazine, that you believe them personally. No one's saying send these people to jail willy-nilly without due process. We're saying believe them on a personal level. There's a very big difference between those two things. Yeah. And I think this could be a much larger discussion. Actually, I would love to have that on the show um, sometime when we're a little more prepared and we have a little more time to have it. But I think a big part of the problem here is that socially and legally, we are not at a point where we have like a solid framework to, to base any of this on. I mean, there this this uh, not when it comes to things like rape. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. But when it comes to cases of sexual misconduct and sexual assault, there can be a lot of gray area because we as people have conflicting ideas about what consent is and what it means. And we don't have any legal framework for it, really. So I would I would love to talk about this. At Let's some point. talk about something lighter for now. This is kind of a from our feed segment. Um, there's been a hashtag on Twitter today called Lady Doritos. Would you like to know why? In sure. a new interview, the CEO of PepsiCo, of course, they make Pepsi and tons of snacks like Doritos. Uh, Indra Noy says her company is trying to solve women's least favorite things about Doritos by developing a version of the snack designed specifically for women. What is their least favorite thing? They don't like how it crunches in their mouth, she claims. She said in an interview on the WNYC show Freakonomics that um, they are developing male and female versions of Doritos now. She said it's not a male and female thing as much as are there snacks for women that could be designed and packaged differently and yes we are looking at it and we're getting ready to launch a bunch of them soon for women low crunch the full taste profile not have so much of the flavor stick on the fingers and how can you put it in a purse because women love to carry a snack in their purse on the flip side what yep the ceo of pepsico says that men like to lick their fingers with great glee. And when they reach the bottom of the bag, they pour the little broken pieces into their mouth. Uh, (laughs) I do both of those things. And to be quite honest with you, 
my snacks don't go uneaten long enough for them to be stored in my purse. <laughs> what the fuck I, is this shit? Is, is, are you sure this isn't like an onion story? This no, is real. This is real. She said, quote, they don't like to crunch too loudly in public. They being women. Yes. This is the CEO of PepsiCo? Yeah, and she's a woman. And she herself is a woman. <laughs> How old is she? Is she from like antebellum? Period? <laughs> she's I, I, I'm she's not 62. This. I, this is, I, I, I can't even, this is the first I'm hearing about this, Andrew. Yeah, it like, just broke. I, I can't, so I'm, I'm processing this with you guys. And this is going to be a team effort. But I, I can't, I can't wrap my head around this. Like men and women's Doritos, men it's, and women's chips. This feels like five million steps backward. Right. And, and I think the area that particularly pissed people off is this comment about they don't like crunching too loudly in public. And I think it's brought up a debate about is it like not sexy to make a crunching sound while you're chewing in public. That's the impression I'm getting. <laughs> but I, do, I, do we really need to say the obvious that that is incredibly sexist to suggest that we even give a damn? When I get Doritos, I want to stuff as many of them in my mouth as possible. I'm not happy unless there's crumbs on my shirt for later. <laughs> Just, and because like me... I don't choose what food I eat based off of how sexy it makes me look. Yeah. Um, somebody had a good tweet here on Twitter. Lady Dorito should be so crunchy that the noise drowns out the whining of any man within a 10-foot radius. <laughs> that would be good. I want to know if Lady, Lady Doritos are going to be more expensive than Dude Doritos, kind of like how razors and, and shaving cream and all those other things are. The pink tax. Yeah, pencils, <laughs> office supplies even. Seriously, there's like all there's like pens and pencils that are pink and they say for women, they're the exact same thing, but they cost more. Any flavor um, requests you two have for Lady Doritos? Suck my dick. Arsenic. <laughs> How about they call it like Doritos Pussy Grabs Back? Would you buy a bag of those? No. I no. think not. I would. No, I wouldn't. I don't want to label. know what that tastes like. <laughs> you know what this tastes like? This this tastes like oppression. <laughs> Unless this this tastes like <laughs> Susan B. Anthony rolling over in her grave. That's what this tastes like. Haven't you two marched in the women's marches so that one day women could have lady Doritos? That's why I fight. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> this proves to me that... I mean, we already knew this, but this establishes, this is an example of the fact that women can be just as fucked up on gender (laughs) equality issues as men. Like, I, you know, I, I just, I can't, I can't wrap my brain around. I don't know who told her that it was a good idea to voice these thoughts. Like, you know, I feel like she's sort of everyone's, (laughs) grumpy racist sexist old grandpa yeah right but like everyone knows to tell grandpa not to talk at thanksgiving because it's gonna cause drama someone didn't tell the ceo not to talk at the table 
I just want to know, like, did they have any kind of sample population that they got these, this so-called data from about women not liking crunches? Because she seems pretty damn confident in women not liking crunching noises coming out of their mouths. So I I expect what's going to, so they said, she said they already had some stuff in development. So this is like more than just a thought. They're actually, I guess, testing this stuff in the real world now or soon. But what I expect to happen is she's going to come out and apologize and they're probably going to cancel this plan because if they do release these Lady Doritos, uh, there's going to be further backlash for the reasons you two are bringing up, that it's sexist. What's been hidden from the headlines, Elisa? So last week, the EPA announced that it's reversing a part of the Clean Air Act that regulates how much hazardous toxins major sources of air pollution uh, or major sources of air pollution can emit into the air. The regulation has been in place since the Clean Air Act was passed in 1995, and it mostly impacts power plants, which are defined as major sources of air pollution, and thus they are subject to these stricter pollution standards. So basically, the too long didn't read is, the Clean Air Act sort of spells out that there's two different types of polluters. There's major sources, and then there's area sources. Depending on which category you fall into, you're subject to different regulations. A power plant, for instance, coal, oil, gas, they are considered major sources of air pollution, and therefore they have really strict, tight regulations on how many hazardous toxins they are allowed to release into the air on any given year. Now, these are toxins that include things like hard metals, um, um, really dangerous, really dangerous shit, um, uh, carcinogens, things like that. Now, the EPA today has just announced that they're going to reclassify power plants. So instead of being major sources of air pollution, they have the opportunity to be area sources of air pollution, which effectively means they are subject to far less strict regulations, meaning they can expel more pollution into the air. Now, to give, to give some context for this, the reason that they say, the reason the EPA is saying that they're doing this is because it's providing an incentive for power plants and oil companies to invest in new technology to um, decrease their air pollution. Their whole thing with this is, you know, listen, if we allow if we allow power plants to move into a different category of regulations, then they're going to have more incentive to get there. They're going to have more incentive to to have fewer regulations. And if the way that they get to fewer regulations is by investing in clean uh, technology, then they're going to do that. So they're spinning this to make it all be about incentivizing big oil, basically. Uh, We're going to incentivize big oil to invest in clean technology. Um, But I think the question remains, do we trust them to do that? Or are they just going to take advantage of this and start polluting more? I trust them just as much as I trusted the FCC uh, when they were saying like, hey, we're going to give cable companies the right to reduce your access and speed to the internet. But like, 
they won't do it. <laughs> they just right. won't. Just you trust them. Yeah, I don't. I don't trust them at all either. I mean, a- anytime you put less regulation and environment in the same sentence, that seems very dangerous to me. Because if right. there's a will, there's a way, and these these uh, companies that are not helping the environment are going to continue to uh, make the environment worse. And the Clean Air Act has been such a widely accepted success. I mean, it's really done wonders for our environment and for public health, for that matter. Um, rates of asthma in cities have decreased significantly since the Clean Air Act was passed. And that's really what this translates into. This really translates into power plants, oil companies will now have the ability to pollute more than they did before. Their justification is this will incentivize them to invest in clean technology. And I really need to hammer this point home. This to me, this is why elections matter. You know, folks always say that, oh, it's the president. You know, you ha- there's, we have so many different levels of government. We have the judiciary, the legislative branch. We have state and local the presidency is just the presidency, and I know a lot of folks voted for Trump because they thought it would be funny or because they considered it a protest vote. Um, other folks voted third party or what have you because, you know, they really genuinely believed in the third party um, and didn't really think that Trump was that much of a threat. Um, but here you have it. This is exactly how and why none of that was true, because The president of the United States gets to put in place the administrators of all these federal agencies, and these administrators get to decide how to interpret and enforce the law. Mm -hmm. And that is what is happening here. President Trump put an EPA administration into place that chose to reinterpret the Clean Air Act to equal more pollution. That's 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 what happened here. And I think it's important to draw a very clear linear line between the election and shitty air quality because that's exactly what's happened. Yeah. And I think that that's an important lesson we need to take with us, you know, moving forward that that all elections matter. And even if you think that, you know, one president can't possibly do that much damage. Well, let's see how you'll be breathing 10 years from now. Yep. And PSA, yeah. uh, just a quick reminder, I know that a lot of people are looking ahead to November of this year as being when our midterm elections are, which they absolutely are, but uh, many states are having primary elections much sooner than that. Uh, most states also have voter registration deadlines that are 30 days before uh, voting in an election. So, Be sure to check out uh, your state's upcoming elections and register to vote in time if you are not already registered. Is there an election for the CEO of PepsiCo? Because I may vote in that one. (laughs) To keep her around, Lady Doritos, baby. Okay, Elisa, let's have a vote to kick Andrew off the show. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay, let's have a little fun. (laughs) With Donald Trump's words before I get evicted. Um, so a couple of weeks ago, we did this segment sort of thing where we read Trump's tweets in a Valley Girl voice, and they just worked so well because he talks like a Valley Girl. 
it, it just comes off that way in his tweets. So I told you all at the beginning of the show, there was this tweet on Monday morning that I just woke up and I read and I just, I could not believe it. He, he um, spells the word so with five O's in this tweet. Okay. So when I read this, <laughs> please keep that in mind that I'm not just uh, exaggerating. That's actually how he wrote it. Thank you to Fox and Friends for exposing the truth. Perhaps that's why your ratings are so much better than your untruthful competition. Rasmussen just announced that my approval rating jumped to 49%, a far better number than I had in winning the election and higher than certain, quote, sacred cows. Other Trump polls are way up also. So why does the media refuse to write this? Oh, well, someday. Somebody please inform Jay-Z that because of my policies, black unemployment has just been reported to be at the lowest rate ever recorded. The fake news media barely mentions the fact that the stock market just hit another new record and that business in the U.S. is booming. But the people know. Can you imagine if O was president and had these numbers? Would be biggest story on earth. Dow now over 25,000. And I believe it closed a little under 25,000 uh, on Monday. Yes, 24345. All right. So I think that does it for today's episode. We had a lot of substantial stuff to get to. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move some of our AP choices and emails over into After Dark to round out this week's hashtag content. And Elisa has a really bizarre question. Elisa, you came on to the call and you asked us what earlier? I asked how important is it for you guys to see your boyfriend's butthole? She gave this question to Laura and I with no context, still has not offered context. So we can't wait to find out what the fuck prompted this. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll explain in after dark, but yeah. That'll be over that'll be available over at patreon.com slash millennial. We really appreciate your support. Helps the show continue to rock and roll here, and we have lots of benefits over there as well. Thanks everybody for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Elisa. And I'm Laura. To close us out today, I'm gonna play a song off of Justin Timberlake's new album. It's called Filthy, and I dedicate it to Elisa's man's butthole. Goodbye. What you gonna do before I meet you? Cooking up a meal, sir. 